Hey there, welcome to Life Noggin. I may appear to be happy and animated all the time, pun intended, but some days I fall into a slump. We all do, it's a part of life. These feelings are real and the effects aren't always just mental. You can actually feel them in a physical sense too, but how and why? Well, let's find out. Depression can be the result of a chemical imbalance in the noggin. Chemicals called neurotransmitters aid in sending messages to different nerve cells in your brain. Some neurotransmitters can control your mood. When you're depressed, these neurotransmitters might not be functioning properly, causing severe changes in mood. Depression can be caused by things like stressful life events, certain medications, death of a loved one, hormonal changes, and of course, caused by faulty mood regulation in the brain. One part of the brain affected by depression is called the hippocampus. The hippocampus processes long-term memory and recollection. It also registers fear, and it's actually smaller in people with depression. Ongoing exposure to stress impairs nerve cell growth in this part of the brain. Not only can depression have you feeling down, but it can actually physically affect parts of your body other than the brain. Chronic fatigue, insomnia, oversleeping, and general aches and pain are just a few examples. Pain threshold can be altered by abnormal functioning of the brain's neurotransmitters like serotonin, making people with depression more sensitive to pain. Another interesting physical change that can come with depression is eyesight. Recent studies show that the retinas of depressed patients were actually less sensitive to contrast. Contrast vision relies on cells that in turn rely on dopamine. People with depression are often shown to have less dopamine, which is important for drive and attention. These findings are still relatively new, but very interesting. One unfortunate problem that comes with depression is the fact that it can actually increase your risk of physical illness. Stress hormones are increased, which can lead to more problems. When we're stressed, our immune system's ability to fight off antigens or foreign bodies is reduced, making it more difficult to fight off infections. Corticosteroid, a stress hormone, can actually suppress the overall effectiveness of the immune system by lowering the amount of lymphocytes, which are cells that destroy the body's invading viruses. Did you know that seasons can actually affect your mood? It's called seasonal affective disorder. When there's less daylight, your brain can increase neurotransmitters like melatonin. More daylight and your brain will produce more serotonin. In the fall and the winter where there are shorter days and less daylight, your body might produce less serotonin and more melatonin. This imbalance can set up the brain for depression in some people who react to seasonal changes. Exposure to more light can help people maintain this chemical balance. If you or someone you know is depressed, please seek help immediately. You can check the links below for some online resources. Going to the doctor, seeing a therapist, and thinking positively can work wonders, so please don't be afraid to get out there and ask for help. So, like that says, we are starting off this new series tonight called Into the Mind, and we've really looked hard at all of the different things that, that we can put into the series to, to really focus on all of the different aspects that we go through day to day uh, with depression and with anxiety, and we're going to cover all of those important things because we really feel like churches as a whole over the last couple of decades have kind of fallen into a gap of, of not discussing those things, of not focusing on the things that so many of us go through in our everyday lives. So many of us go through all of these things that the church has decided maybe uh, shouldn't be talked about or should be pushed down somewhere where we can no longer talk about it. And so we are going to talk about all of those things in this series, and over the next few weeks, we want to look at what mental illness really is and how you can reach through this darkness and this suffering to a place where we can pick ourselves up, where we can find help. We don't claim to be counselors, right? We don't claim to sit up here and know everything about depression and anxiety. There are doctors for that. There are counselors for that. And we have worked really hard. There's people here tonight that are going to speak to you about different outlets, different avenues that all of us can travel 
to help us get better. Wherever we are on that road of depression, of anxiety, we have outlets, we have resources, we have the things that the people need in order to get help, in order to get better. One of those things is God. One of those things is doctors, medication. All along this whole spectrum of places that we are, there are different ways to get better. And so really just have one main point tonight, one main point that is going to focus throughout this whole uh, lesson that we are going to back up biblically, that we are going to back up scientifically, and that is depression is not a sin. Depression isn't a sin. And so we just wanted to say that right up front, in case you have been wrestling with shame, you have been wrestling with, is something that I'm going through against what God says in the Bible? And this is not an opinion, this is biblical fact that we are going to back up tonight, that depression is in fact not a sin. And maybe you've heard other Christians, other pastors say that for some reason there is something wrong with you because of something that you were thinking or feelings that you were having, but that is totally untrue. And for the purpose of this series, we'll focus mainly on anxiety and depression because those two things are what Health and Human Services reports are the most severe things in our lives, right? One in five teenagers suffer from depression. One in eight teenagers suffer from anxiety. And we know that that isn't the entire gambit of mental illnesses or things that you guys are going through. But because of that, because of the fact that many people in here are suffered suffering from clinical depression, and we'll talk about the difference between cl- clinical and, and just being depressed and anxious in a minute. But because of those two things and because they are so frequent and popular in our minds, that are the two things that we're going to focus on in this series. And so that means statistically speaking, like I said, there are people in this room that have been clinically diagnosed or need to be clinically diagnosed. And so all of these truths apply to all of us, and and we're going to run the whole spectrum, like I said. And before we get into the Bible, I want to explain what clinically depressed and clinically anxious uh, actually is. And and what it isn't is uh, having a down day or or just being sad and, and feeling anxious about a test. And all of those feelings are warranted, and we have those feelings, and we are talking to everyone in this series. And so if you're feeling down for some reason because something's went wrong, then that is valid. That is something that you need to work on. That is something that we can talk about. But there's a difference between clinically depressed and and just feeling down about something. And there are people, like I said, across the whole board in this room, there's people in here that are happy right now that don't have a lot going wrong in their lives. And I think God has put those people in this room to help those people that are feeling down, to be the light in situations for people like the video said, that it just takes somebody being happy to get over feeling down and to get over feeling anxious. And so I think everybody in this room is going to benefit from something in this series, regardless of where you are on that spectrum. And so these, this series, like I said, has something for all of us. And so what exactly is the depression and anxiety as, as clinically based? Actually, medical depression occur when someone's brain does not produce enough neurotransmitters, like the video said, whether that be norepinephrine or serotonin. So everyone's brain produces these chemicals, and when you have this proper balance, you can easily deal with the hardships in life. You can easily deal with the things, and you might be down for a couple of days, but it's easy to pick yourself up from that. But when you have the wrong production of those things in your brain, it results in a mental illness. And you may have trouble controlling the way you feel, the trouble you have coping with everyday activities. You may feel physically ill for no reason. You may have difficulty maintaining relationships. And that is because there's an imbalance in your brain of chemicals, just like if you had a broken arm or something wrong with you at another part of your body. 
Right? People have diabetes, and no one says that you can outthink diabetes. You have to have medicine. You have to have medical care to get over these things. It's the exact same thing for clinically depressed and clinically anxious people. And so you were born with the brain you have. The chemistry in it was, was there, and you have gone through these things, and you were born with it. And I think it's important to understand that the mental illness is a really complex thing that, that I don't fully understand, that a lot of people here don't fully understand. And we think sometimes that people who don't have it uh, can fix other people, and it's easy to diagnose somebody. But that is the furthest thing from the truth, right? It is a difficult, complex issue that doctors have been given this gift by God to diagnose, that, that doctors have created drugs and, and stuff to, for us to go through in order to get better for some situations. And so, like I said, there's a whole variety of people out there from one end to the other and different avenues that we can take in order to make those things better. And so some things that people feel when they are depressed is, am I wrong for feeling this way? Is it something that God has put in me? Is it faithless cop-out to get treated medically for the problems that I am having? And all of those answers are no, right? In Psalms, we can see in Psalms 139, Verses 13 through 16, for you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of your earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, in your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. Who made you the way you are? Who knitted you together in your mother, mother's womb? It was God. And when he made each one of us, his character, his thoughts were, were ingrained in us. And he is just waiting for us to ask for that spirit for help, for the help that we so desperately need, not only with these problems, but with all of the problems in our lives. He formed us who we are. God is the one who created us. He created us for a reason, every single one of us for a specific cause. But God has never seen us in the way that sometimes we think of ourselves. Sometimes we think of ourselves as failures. Sometimes we think of ourselves as not being able to do anything right. But God has never once saw us as those people. He didn't screw up or make a mistake. He made the right person the right way. And scientific studies show that mental illness is caused by brain chemistry, and this is a causal link. It is something that is in our brains. God made our brain and its chemistry as it is. And so is it possible then that having depression as a result of a brain that God created and gave us is actually a sin? Again, we say that that is not possible. God cannot tempt someone with evil. He cannot tempt someone with sin. It is not part of him to do that to us. It is not possible in his nature to do those things. He desires for us all to be holy, pursuing perfection and doing only things that please him. He is not going to try and trip us up. He is not going to put things in our lives that are going to cause us to trip up. That is not who he is. That is the sin in our lives. And if we give way to the sin in our lives in our heads and put it into action, then that is something in our heads. One of the primary symptoms of depression is that it can make you feel sad and constantly uh, just down for no apparent reason. And though this is tough for people without it to comprehend, a lot of the people 
uh, that I have seen in my past with depression and anxiety, uh, I try to fix. And I said a couple of weeks ago, us as humans uh, try to fix things, and I am at the top of that list. When I see something that's broken, I want to fix it. And so I look at this thing, and I think that if there's some way that I could just turn this around, I think that there should be a YouTube video or a book that tells me how to make something right, whether it be a tool or whether it be a person. And so when I see somebody is sad and down, I automatically want to go and try to fix that person by telling them something good about themselves or helping them do something or, or, or spending time with them. And I think that doing these things should make them happy, should make them change their entire persona around of who they are and, and just flip it, just flip it like a switch on the wall from sad to happy. But that is completely against what is actually in their brain. What, it, what they are thinking is that they just want somebody to be with them, to comfort them, to say that it is okay sometimes to not be okay. We don't have all of the tools to help people all of the time. We don't have the resources. We don't have the knowing of what they need to help everybody all the time, but we can help them get to those people. And so being the people around the people, comforting them, and doing the things in our lives to get them moving in the right direction. Sometimes it will take a lot more than what we as friends have to offer them. There's a time for everything we feel, and and sometimes we feel like crying and weeping and just breaking down, and that is okay. And sometimes we feel hysterical and we are laughing and we can't hold in the laughter And that is okay as well. God puts all of these feelings in us, but he doesn't ask us to suppress them. He asks us to let them go. He asks us to cry every once in a while. And that's okay because he made these feelings. He gave us these emotions to display. They're meant to be felt. They are not meant to be suppressed. So we always want to rush people from sad to okay instead of allowing them to feel what they're feeling. I think part of that is a genuine desire for them to feel okay, but I also think it is us uh, not wanting to be in an uncomfortable situation. We never want to be around people who are sad. We want to help them. We want to help people, and we don't want to be uncomfortable with somebody that is sad. But the, the true thing that they need is our compassion. They need us to just be there with them in the moment. They need us to let them cry on our shoulder every once in a while. And so that doesn't mean to avoid them. Or, or not to attempt to comfort them. It means we should be with them and comfort them and showing we love them and around them in the best times and the worst times. That's why we are their friends, to help them. They are going to be there when we need that help, so we need to be there when they need it. And Christians struggle with this as much as the next person, maybe even more so. Because when people look at Christians, they think that they have the Spirit of God in them, that they should always be joyful and they should always have scripture to tell somebody, and they should never be down. Well, a lot of the times that works in the opposite directions. We see that, that we see the outsiders thinking that we should always be joyful. We should have an uplifting spirit. We should have something to tell them that brightens their day, and that turns on us. That makes us sad. That makes us a person that can't find happiness. And so realizing that not everybody around you is always going to be happy. We always have moments as human beings to be sad, and that is okay. It is okay to feel depressed sometimes. It is okay to feel anxious. It is not a sin. And so all of this stuff we can look at and say, well, what are some examples of this? And I think Jesus 
is one of these examples. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah talks about this coming Messiah, and Jesus hadn't been born yet, but Isaiah is talking about him and the things that he's going to be. In Isaiah 53, verse 1 through 4, he says, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. And this is the main part that we want to see. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and was esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. So that one verse in the middle there, Jesus was a man of sorrows. The word sorrow from Hebrews means being in mental pain and anguish. Jesus felt that. He was well acquainted with grief. Jesus was acquainted with grief. And so we take that and see that Jesus had these same feelings as us, but we can also see in the Bible that Jesus never sinned. Jesus walked this earth without sinning. And so we can connect that biblically and say that Jesus felt the same things that we do sometimes and that he was never a sinner. And so that proves that sinning does not have any relationship to depression. Depression is not a sin. Mental illness is a difficult condition to live with, but we can do it. You can experience it, feel everything that it wants you to feel, but not let it own you. Not let it take over your life. Not make bad, sinful decisions because of the things in our head. And it will try. We are going to talk more about in the third week about how it will try to take you down. But I want you to know that you are up against something that is very difficult to deal with on our own, especially without God. You may think that the only solution is to hurt yourself, but we cannot let depression take us there. You may think that it is something that we need to isolate ourselves with, away from our friends, our family, our church, but we cannot let it take us there. You may think that the only way to get around it is substance abuse, drinking, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, but we cannot let it take us there. It will if it gets in our minds and it shows through our actions. Mental illness is not a sin, so don't let it drive us to sin. And so the last thing we're going to talk about is that there are many people in the Bible who experience deep sorrow. We see it time and time again that it drove them to God, not away from God. And David Uh, is a really good example of this. And the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. David was this guy who was chasing after God. He was loving of God. He had the spirit of God, and he was always searching for more that he could do for God. And so he was all about God all the time, and, and he was this guy, like it says, was a man after God's own heart. And so when he experienced sorrow in the deepest times of trouble, what did he do? He trusted in God. In Psalm 13, it says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord 
because he has dealt bountifully with me. And so we see a picture of David who is pleading to God. He's a broken man, and, and he's asking God for answers. How often do we feel that same way? How often do we feel like we've been forgotten, like we feel like that God wasn't there? David did, but he trusted in his steadfast love. David mentions in those verses how long, the, verses, the, the two words how long, multiple times in those first couple of verses. He had been waiting for God to show up. He was this guy after God's own heart. He had all of the faith in the world, but he was growing weary. And so if this strongest guy of faith grows weary from time to time, then where does that leave us? We question God a lot because he does not show up in the timing that we want. All of us have had those hard times. We have all struggled. We have all sat there and said, God, at what point? Are you going to answer me for the things that I'm going through? I'm being troubled by all of these things, and I don't see an answer. I'm going through trouble. I'm going through difficulty in my life. I don't know how to deal with these things, and I'm waiting for you for an answer, and I have heard nothing. And we continue to wait, and we lose faith. We wonder if there is a God. If there is a God, why would he make me go through this? Why would he put these thoughts in my head? Because we want it on our time. Because we expect God, when we ask, we expect him to answer immediately. God would not put these things in our head as a sin. He, he is there for us. He is always there for us, and he promises to walk with us. He does not promise us this easy life. He promises to make lessons with us. He promises to walk with us, to do the things with us when our times are hard and when our times are good. He is there with us. He made us who we are. He made no mistakes. And if you don't know God, he can make a tremendous change in your life. And so tonight we talk about depression isn't a sin and all of these things and realize that we can prove that through the Bible. We can prove that through many other outlets. But we still wonder why God isn't answering us. Even in deep pain, David was able to rejoice in the salvation of God. Even in his deep sorrow, he was able to sing to the Lord because he understood that God's love towards him was still bountiful. And if we can realize that God's love is bountiful and that he is there for us, he is there to walk with us in times of trouble, God loves you too. Maybe you are hurting. Maybe you are feeling in a way that David was feeling, forgotten, abandoned, hurting, all day long, I want to encourage you that you have not been forgotten. God sees you. He saw you before you were born. He saw you when he was knitting you together in your mother's womb. And he has been there ever since. And he is just waiting for you to call out to him. He's felt your pain. He is not judging you for your pain, for your thoughts, for your misconception of who he is. But he wants us to call to him. He's not condemning us for any of that. And it's not a sin to feel. And he loves us deeply. And the last thing I want to say is, don't run from God because you hurt. 
run to him because you hurt. And as we go to prayer tonight, just think about those things about how sometimes we run from God thinking that we should be shamed for the things that we are feeling, for the things that we are thinking. But he just wants us to run to him. And he's there with open arms and he can solve our problems and point us in the right directions. And all it takes is for us to ask. Let's go to prayer. God, we just thank you so much for being there with open arms. We struggle. We all struggle, some of us more than others, with depression, with anxiety. But it is not a sin. We should not be ashamed of the things we are feeling. We should not feel like there is nowhere to turn. We should feel like we can turn to you, that we can run to you, and you will be there with open arms. And so we just want to thank you for this message tonight, for beginning to open our eyes about these things that a lot of people deal with. There are people in this room right now that do not know where to turn, that think it's the end of the line because they can't get things out of their head. But that is the furthest thing from the truth. We are here for everyone. There are people here that have been trained. There are people here who know where to turn you. And all it takes is an ask. We don't want anybody here to suffer. We don't want anybody here to feel alone. You are with us all the time, and it just takes us an ask. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And so uh, right now we're going to bring up actually a guy uh, who runs a program in Bristol that he is going to talk to you for a couple of minutes about. His name is Johnny Green, and he is here to talk to us about CR and the landing. Okay, so give you a little bit of my story. My name is Johnny Green. At 15 years old, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I grew up in a small town in southwest Virginia, about an hour and a half from here. I was teased and bullied a lot when I was young. I was made fun of for the way I looked because I didn't have a lot of money to be able to dress the way that everybody dressed, so I was made fun of. At 15, I accepted Christ. 16 years old, I was introduced to pornography by somebody who thought they were doing a good thing. And that 16 years old, it led to an addiction 28 years down the road, and it still was controlling my life. I found a group of people who would understand what it means to be hurting. And I found that through Celebrate Recovery and The Landing. I was asked to start a ministry called The Landing because I was serving in the youth ministry. I was hanging out with you guys. I was doing everything that you do. I love you guys. And that's from the bottom of my heart because you all really changed my life. It may not be you now, but there's people inside of this room that I used to serve with. And I was challenged by you guys because I seen what you were actually going through. I seen the depression, I seen the anxiety, I seen the bullying, I seen the depression. I seen all of the stuff that you guys are going through. And it broke my heart because it's real. And honestly, you feel like you have no one to talk to because no one would understand. And that's a life in the pit of hell. There are people who understand. There are people in this room who understand exactly what you're going through. 
So you keep going to have all kinds of stuff going through your head. As you are growing up, you're going to have stuff that you're not good enough. You'll never be worthy. You definitely don't need to be in church because you're always lying. You're always doing the stuff that you shouldn't be doing. You're going to be filled with lies, especially as you grow up. You become getting more hormones, and you've got stuff going on inside your head that you can't even understand. We're there with you because we've went through it with you. I still struggle. I've still got things that I'm going through currently. If you need someone safe to talk to, I'm here. I'm now in Celebrate Recovery with the adults, and I'm seeing they're just as jacked up as you guys are because they once were you, man, and they thought they had no one to talk to. You do. Every Tuesday night at 6 p.m., we have a group in Bristol. Now, with somebody, it's a little bit of a drive, especially if you're coming from Marion. But I'm telling you, if you want somebody that you can talk to, that you can be real with, you've got it. Use the people who are around you now. Use each other. Lift each other up. Encourage each other. Cry on someone's shoulders. You do have help. Jesus Christ really does mean that we are better together. Listen to what he is saying to you. Because there's a lot of truth in it. If you're afraid of coming to celebrate recovery in the landing because you don't want people to know you're struggling... We have five small group guidelines that says, I will never say anything about you coming to our group. No one will ever know unless you're there, unless you tell them. It's your recovery. You work it at your speed. You're not alone. From porn addiction, cutting, self-harm, bulimia, anorexia, whatever it may be, anything that can make you feel less than you truly are, which is a child of the king, celebrate recovery in the landing cannon. We'll help you. So you are not alone. 